The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome. I'm Suzanne Phillips. Happy holidays and thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. There are many divorced parents raising children. Some have managed very well, while others have struggled and suffered. Divorce is a difficult process for both parents and children. It involves loss, changes, mixed feelings, and readjustments. The goal of this show is to pass forward information and holiday survival tips for divorced parents and their children, whether they have just started the journey of divorce or are seasoned travelers. As you will hear throughout, this show invites divorced parents to recognize their unique role in helping their children adjust to the divorce situation. We are so fortunate to have as our guest and expert today, Jeff Steiner. Mr. Jeff Steiner is the Executive Director of the Dad's Resource Center. I want you to know that the Dad's Resource Center was originally founded by Dr. Joel Meyer, founder and CEO of AccuWeather. It has become a very important and viable organization to help dads. Mr. Steiner is also the executive director of the Dad's Resource. In addition to being the executive director of the Dad's Resource Center, he also serves as a central administrator for the Pennsylvania Greater Family Father Involvement Campaign. He's a member of the Pennsylvania Child Welfare Council, the Pennsylvania Office of Child Support Enforcement Parental Advisory Board, and the Center County Domestic Sexual Violence Task Force. With his degrees in sociology and counseling, Mr. Steiner has 15 years of experience running nonprofits that benefit youth and families, and he's an elected director of the Belafonte Area School District Board of Education and the Central Intermediate Unit 10 Board of Directors. Among his media appearances and podcasts, he has offered programs on topics like the art of fatherhood, Effects of COVID on Families, and Teen Dating Violence. He has authored a number of articles for Pittsburgh Parents and the Center Daily Times. Jeff's work on behalf of fathers is driven by his personal experience being raised by a single mom, never knowing his father. Today, as a dad, he co-parents two teenage daughters with his wife, Gwen. Mr. Jeff Steiner, it is my privilege to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Uh, we really appreciate you, you having us with you today, Suzanne. And two things. First off, I don't know how I'm possibly going to be able to live up to your introduction. That was very <laughs> kind. Thank you. <laughs> and second, uh, uh, at the very outset, that was very well spoken uh, about the, uh, the human part of separated families and parents. Um, so it's, it's pretty obvious that you're pretty attuned to the topic that we're going to be discussing here today. Okay. Well, now, Jeff, we have 
parents and professionals listening. And since many of these parents and children can be on any at any point in the divorce process, one of the things I know you've written about that maybe you could mention is what are the three stages that parents and children go through in the divorce process? Sure. Uh, before I get going, the one thing I would say is the Dad's Resource Center focus is working with fathers who are, are, are not able to be in the lives of their children. So that's the niche that we work with and we deal with. And mm-hmm. so I speak from that direction more so in talking about these things, but we, we do recognize most parents do work through this reasonably well on their own, and there certainly are situations where fathers are absent or they are problematic in some way. So I just want to say that up front. I'm not casting a, a complete net on things when I come at it from the angle, uh, the, the aspect of a father who's in pain and, and desperately trying to be in the lives of their children. So I want to say that at the outset. Okay, that's great. Uh, yep. So uh, the three stages of separate, separation, and this is what every separated family goes through, uh, family reorganization, co-parenting, and personal growth. In each of those three stages, there are questions or a question that needs to be answered. So the family reorganization stage is where mom and dad, they've been together, they're going their separate ways, they've, they've made that decision, and they have to figure out where will the children be, and when will they be there, and how will they be supported? Um, now, uh, there are times when there are major disagreements uh, and things could be really uh, contentious and parents aren't able to work things out on their own, uh, and there are a lot of uh, resources and, and things out there for them to be able to try to get moving uh, through this process. Uh, there's private, public, religious governmental, legal, and court systems uh, to help families make that transition into a separated family. But one of the points of emphasis that we're going to have to say more than once here today, Suzanne, is these interventions are not meant to, nor should they be permanent. Parents should not become reliant on the legal and court systems to manage their inability to work together on behalf of their children. Right. Um, We don't want parents to abdicate their role to the legal system. Uh, it's very hard for children when that happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the court system and the legal system are guilty of enabling that. And I don't know if we'll be able to talk in depth about that, but that is to be avoided. Um, okay. So once you do figure out where the children will be and when, it then becomes about uh, the art of co-parenting. Right. And, hey, uh, Suzanne, Suzanne, even under normal circumstances, Parenting is a two-person job. You know, right. if you think about it, and your child sleeps eight hours a day, that leaves two eight-hour shifts while they're awake. You know, <laughs> so mom and dad, <laughs> you know, so mom and dad, you know, they got to tap out and tap in. Uh, but more importantly, um, mothers and fathers give different but equally important things to their children, um, and children have the best shot at having a fulfilled childhood and being successful in life if they have the active participation of both parents. Now, that's under normal circumstances. It obviously becomes a lot more challenging uh, in a separated uh, family situation. Great. Um, But the longer this phase continues, the family organization and co-parenting phases, um, the more they drag out, 
the more children are negatively impacted by the separation um, because the children are put in a constant state of uncertainty and stress. And people lose sight of that. When there's a contentious separation, people focus on mom and dad, they lose focus of the children. Mm. Uh, but children can't advance through these stages if the parents don't do it first. Mm. Um, so parents, parents, if they're focused on the negatives of the other parent or any real or perceived microaggressions, indulge a persistent assumption of the worst intentions, uh, or actions of the parent, the more they do that, the more negatively impacted the children become. One thing that um, I want to say at this point for the situation where they're deciding where the children are going to live or what the, the arrangements are going to be, Jeff, is the advice I give parents is go slow and be wary of your expectations because children have their own pace too. You know, sometimes we have it all locked up. Okay, you'll be at dad's this day. You'll be at mom's that day. You'll be at grandma somewhere in the middle. And we have to know that sometimes it ta- it's really takes adjustment on the part of little ones or teens that that first visit to dad's apartment, Jeff, maybe it doesn't have to be that long. Maybe that's the one where we bring in the pizza. Maybe that's the one where they're allowed to do something to make that place their own. And then the next time when they don't want to go back, we find a way to engage them to go back even for a short amount of time. That is, as you, and this is what I think we both feel about the legal system, it can be in writing, but we're dealing with real people here. And children have their own pace. That's very, uh, that's incredible. Suzanne, uh, that's just, you're really in tune there. Uh, uh, thank you very much for, for adding those points in um, and looking at it from the eyes of the children. Thank you very much. Okay. So we have, you're saying communications um, vital. One thing you wrote, I like, I like this listing you wrote, and that is what kind of pressure can be on the kids if we don't get communication going? And maybe you want to go through that. One of them is, like you say, and I've seen kids like this because sometimes a teenager has been referred to me. And they're constantly worried, if I say something, will I upset him? Will I upset her? He's interrogating me about him, her. her. So what is that list? I think it's important for parents to hear that the longer the reorganization and parenting stages last, Jeff, kids really start to worry. Well, I'll go a step further. So my, my first career was direct service, and I worked with families very directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I knew that from my past service. But I've supervised some visits during COVID for fathers because they okay. couldn't get service providers to be able to do that. And that experience brought me back to that and put me in the shoes of the children. And actually, these are things that I saw happen firsthand in supervising visits and some of the interactions between mom and dad. And I'm like, I got to put voice to this for these children because this is what I'm observing is going on. And so, as you know, if, if mom and dads aren't getting along and, and they're, they're struggling with this and, and, and it's a contentious situation, children are constantly put in a position to have to pick and choose between mom and dad. Right. Uh, they worry that what they say will result in conflict between mom and dad. Um, they live in fear that something they say or do might be responsible for the relentless tension surrounding them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they become frustrated by the persistent negotiations or com- complete rigidity about who and how and when they get to spend time with either their mother or father. Um, Absolutely. They become exposed to the necessity of having other children, like social workers, lawyers, guardian ad litems, interceding into their family for them or their parents. And in this situation, and just to take one more step back, I was supervising these visits with a father who was a really great father with his children, Mm -hmm. three wonderful children. And so I had to, if they went to the public park, I was there the whole time with them. If they went to a restaurant, I I was there all the time with them. He got a a hotel room uh, with an indoor pool and was going to have the children uh, go swimming with him during the day. uh, And I had to be there during that visit. And I had to go to the room. Now, of course, the children went into the bathroom to change. But I'm sitting in that room while the children are changing. They get into their swimsuits. And then afterwards, they get out of their swimsuits. I'm like, how surreal is that for the children? Because the parents, and one of them was a doctor. One of them was a doctor. The other one was a counselor. Like, they're people who care for people in their professional life and are well looked at in, mm. in those types of things. But they can't get along to the point where there's some guy, he, Jeff's all nice and all, he's all friendly. But that's what the children had to do just to be able to do a visit with their father. What a powerful you know? example. Oh, my end, goodness. Mm-hmm. It, Go ahead. And at the end of the day, the never-ending, seeming life-and-death legal battle where a judge determines who they can be with and when. Um, and that's just, that's pretty ominous for a child mm-hmm. to be in those types of situations. Absolutely, absolutely. We, I think the message that people are hearing that we're both sending is the children have to come first, their children, and somehow there has to be a way to communicate and to co-parent that is safe for them even if you don't you know that you can't remain together as partners it's really your work is really invaluable to people jeff so let's let's take a look at given given the the what you just shared we know that there are people who get to a point of personal growth when they really do establish a working partnership so go ahead that that's exactly it and basically if you get through that co-parenting stage where you, you have routine, you're doing the visits, and there's a readjustment period between that initial point where you figure out where they're going to be, and then when you go through the practical aspects of your lives and your lives are changing and you adapt to that, and then there's that regular communication. Uh, and when you're talking about communication, it shouldn't just be the practical aspects. Parents should be communicating to each other more generally. Like if your child does something really incredible, if you share that with the other person, that's important to the other parent mm. because then that parent can reference that. Or if they're struggling in life over something. You know, so it can't just be about the practical aspects if you're really going to effectively co- uh, co-parent and communicate with one another. But, it, but if you get to the point where you're doing those things, um, it, it frees mom and dad from the burden of a contentious relationship with the other parent uh, they can figure out where their life is going instead of being stuck in that toxic relationship uh, that they're with. Um, and then they can forge their new lives together. But the, the important thing always is, is we got to circle back to, around to this. Um, children, as is, they have to, the, the additional stresses and pressures of growing up as a child. They're, they're experiencing that, but they're also experiencing this whole dynamic of their separated family and learning mm-hmm. everything about that. So it just really emphasizes how parents need to be able to get through this 
in a, a, a collaborative uh, and, and respectful manner with one another to be able to allow their children to adapt to that separated family and take on everything that they need to take on as children growing up uh, normally. Absolutely. If they're able to maintain one thing they agree on, it's that they love their children. So what your example is such a good one for, for uh, I had sons. So for a, for a boy to hear his mom say or his dad say, did you tell dad how many points you scored in the game? The message is, oh, it's, it's a permissible. They both want to hear about my basketball so that in some uh, ways we're, we're, we're recognizing there are marriages that just can't go on. But at some point there has to be a split. We're talking about healthy splitting here. Well, when it comes to the children, at times you're united. And that's such a gift to children. Well, it, 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 you have to transition into a partnership of sort with right. a shared interest being your son, your daughter, or your children. That, that's kind of a mindset that is helpful to take along the lines of what you're saying, Suzanne. Absolutely. So let me just ask this question. Um, oh, i got to get rid of this. Um, with a dad who's having real trouble, who can't seem to get into the, into the mindset or the emotional um, mindset of really parenting and being responsible or being reliable, what are the kinds of things you say, I know it's not just a matter of words, to to him or to a group to help them understand that partnership, Jeff? Well, uh, kind of going back to the start of the, the breakup of the family a little bit, uh, what I've observed, and again, our, the fathers who come to us are in a little different place where they really want to be in their child's life, and the overwhelming majority of the fathers we see don't struggle with those kinds of things necessarily. But the one thing that a lot of them do is um, 70% of divorces are initiated by uh, the, the, the woman. Um, and there's a saying, uh, uh uh, women fall in the love quicker, but they lo- fall out of qu- love faster, something along those lines. Okay. And, and there's something to that. And especially for men, um, uh, once they get into that relationship, we're, we're kind of like the buttress of a family. That's kind of what we are. And if these types of situations occur where the father isn't willing to uh, give up on it, you know, he wants to be able to maintain the family, the marriage, and those types of things. That can be troublesome and difficult for a man to do. Um, and that's a tough transition a lot of, a lot of the times for them to be able to um, separate themselves uh, in that regard. So that's something that we see a little bit more on our end and who we're, we're, when we're working with fathers than fathers who um, aren't stepping up like they should. Okay, so we're almost out of time. You're suggesting when the father hasn't initiated the divorce, stepping out of his role is very, very difficult for him. And that, that's one of the things that you are, you're addressing with, with dads. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Jeffrey Steiner. He's the executive director of the Dads Resource Center in State College, Pennsylvania, which provides education, resources, and advocacy for single dads. We're talking about coping with the process of divorce, and we'll be focusing on 
how do we manage divorce, children, and success during the holidays? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you looking for an hour to allow your imagination to soar? An hour for self-care? An hour to learn something new? Join Dr. Melissa L. Strausser for conversations and stories that'll give you that hour to listen to tales of triumph and conversations about emerging topics from coaches, entrepreneurs, entertainers, authors, and everyday heroes. You'll hear about healing, change-making, resilience, and passion. We invite you to take the journey and join us for Counterbalanced Conversations on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Bravehearts Radio Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Jeffrey Steiner, the executive director of the DAS Resource Center in State College, Pennsylvania. And we're just about to talk about um, five survival holiday tips for parents and children who are facing or in the process of divorce. Jeff, one of the things you wrote in in your piece about these um, five tips is that the first knee-jerk reaction that many co-parents have is to grab a rope and invite the other parent to a game of tug-of-war. Let me start out by asking, how do we avoid tug-of-war at the holiday times? I'll loop back to the story. I talked about the visit, I, uh, the visit I was supervising, uh, and that's the lead into to talking about this a little bit because... Uh, they had guard, a guardian ad litem, and the judge was going to talk to these children, what do you want, and all of these things. And by the time I had been done doing the visits and resuming my report, 
I, I wrote my report. I can tell you, I didn't ask them. I can tell you for sure what the children want more than anything else in life. You know, and that's for mom and dad to work amicably on their behalf, right? That's mm-hmm. what they want. Um, yeah, and, and so uh, the starting point to this be is that what children want more than anything in the world is for that, for mom to be, mom and dad to be flexible and cordial to each other and, and working on their behalf. And the greatest present that any separated parent uh, can give to their children at any time, most particularly the holidays, is the gift of getting along. Absolutely. So yep, that, that, that's, that's the starting point uh, for all, uh, for everything going into this. So the five survival tips uh, we had listed in the, the press release that we had sent out was uh, plan it out, discuss the gifts, be patient, agree not to fight, and put the kids first. Um, mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about planning it out, um, again, this is communication. And, and another, take another step back. You get to look at the holidays as being the Super Bowl of co-parenting. Right. Um, this right. is when you That's great. You got to be on your game, and, and, and in order to, for you to be able to get into the Super Bowl and to be successful, you you got to be doing these things all year long, right? Right. Um, so, uh, plan it out. Uh, make a list of the events uh, that that each side of the family wants to do, uh, and if the child has any special thing that they would like to do, who would do that? How are you going to go about doing that? Um, calendar it all out. Map it out. Uh, and, and you got to give uh, because it's important not just to be with the other parent, but to be with the extended family, the grandparents, uh, and any other uh, relative uh, that is um, active and, and part of the inner circle, so to speak, with your, your part of the family. Um, and you got to be able to give a little bit uh, to be able to make that work at times. You know, one thing related uh, to this uh, is – and I don't think it will be as great because of COVID, but I've had situations where the teen or the youngster, they don't want the parents to sit apart at the holiday concert or any of the school programs, especially if it's a newly initiated divorce, because they're very uncomfortable in terms of what other kids would think. Now, I don't think that that will happen as much this year, as I say, because of COVID. But remember, they're also worried about what their friends think at this holiday time. Uh, Once again, Suzanne, you're coming at it from the eyes of the children on a level that, I'll be honest, I might not even have thought of that that myself. So that really highlights the point both of us are making. You really got to dig deep and get out of your space, not think about, you know, you, but think about what your children's experiences are. So thank you for sharing Mm, that. So now in terms, Uh, go ahead, keep going, Jeff. Uh, the second survival tip is to discuss gifts. Uh, now, of course, parents need to communicate simply for the gifts that they are given children to be able to say, you know, they talked about this. This is what I'm thinking. Make sure they're not getting the same thing, obviously, but make sure also you're not uh, getting something that's going to be problematic for the other person in some way. You know, so you got to work on things in terms of what you're giving. But each parent, again, uh, really is responsible for thinking about, again, the extended family on the other side uh, and make sure that you're talking to your child or children about what do you think you should get for nanny, pappy, you know, and then helping them actually get that uh, because 
that's one of the things they could get lost in the shovel, shuffle in a separated family, uh, this giving gifts generally, but specifically uh, the expectation within a family to be able to give gifts to all the people who are really there during the course of the year and a big part of your life. Mm. Um, so you you got to go the extra mile in that regard also. In this one, I'm going to add the the um, phrase, it's not just what you do, it's what you say. In one case, the, the, the young preteen was so happy with what the dad gave her, but when she came home, it was demeaned by the mom. So... We've got it, you know, Jeff's talking about the the adults regulating their feelings such that they don't contaminate the gift giving back and forth. Here's where you, we really, our hearts go out to the parents because it's a very hard thing to regulate if you feel very, very hurt or enraged with a, an ex. But this is for the kids. And even a little thing like that can have a pretty big impact, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. But what about, one of the things you talk about is sometimes it's a gift that the parents are going to give together. It's a bike or it's something bigger. Um, parents somehow sometimes disagree. It could be cowboy guns, etc. Then we have to have the parents somehow come to some accord. Uh, exactly on that, you know, uh, there's some things that might work in one house, might not work in the other, or there's some sort of dynamic involved with that, that you have to, you know, uh, as a man, you know, I would expect, you know, as a father to be deferential to the mother. That's, we always need to be that way on, on the man side of things. That would be my expectation. And, you know, if in that type of situation, again, I don't run into too many fathers who that wouldn't be the case. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, on the kind of fathers that come to us, but absolutely, um, you've you got to be conscious of those types of things. The other thing is with money, sometimes there still is a discrepancy after a divorce. So if one parent can afford something a little bit more and it delights the child, we've got to help the other parent to be happy for the child. And it's, I, I don't know any child who's going to say, well, I love dad better. I mean, I might want to play at his house because he has a complete train set, but that doesn't mean I don't love mom. And that's a level of awareness and also not being stuck about you that you're talking about there. You definitely don't want to be in a situation where standing, upstanding the other parent or doing anything in those regards. Absolutely. Right. So now you talk about number three, being patient. Now, if you're in a, a separated or divorced family situation, there's going to be something in the past that is painful in some way. Um, you know, uh, some sort of disagreements, uh, something you might have done that was actually pretty horrible or very painful or that you've been on the, the receiving end and experienced it. Um, and if you're just going your own ways and you didn't have to be partners in, a, in, in, in raising your children, you can just kind of move on and just let that go. But one of the things that you have to do at the outset is learn to put the past in the past. And what you're building as a separated family, make that a new starting point. And that's important, again, from the perspective of, you know, this, we're talking about the holidays, but this is something you routinely need to do and be in the practice of. And find ways to um, have grace, forgiveness, compassion, acceptance, flexibility, selflessness, and generosity towards the other parent. And practice that all year long. And it may be hard, 
you know. Um, uh, but if you can do that, it's it's good for the parents too, right? It helps you get past it if you're doing that, even if you're just doing it on behalf of your children. If you're doing that, then you can. It's a little easier to understand going into the holidays to be able to be patient because all the simmering stuff that's underneath isn't built up as much um, for you to get tripped up with the intensity and the complications that occur during the holidays. Now, sometimes the parents will be on one side. They've actually worked on being patient, and it's the teen or the the little one who is not interested in cooperating at all. So they've both come up with a great gift for the teen. It's what they thought he wanted, but he's not coming out of his room. He, For some children, the holidays are mile markers. That's when it hits them that we're no longer the way we were. So it's at those times that children sometimes have a more of a, a visceral reaction to the divorce situation because they're very aware of what Christmas last year was and what it is now. And so it may be that some great gift is at either parent's house and both parents bought it and they were patiently working together. And that's where we really do have to think. That's where I always invite parents to make a deal. Recognize with the teen that, you know, I, I understand and listen, I get you want to spend some time in your room. How about we make a deal? Come out, take a look at the present, eat a slice of pizza, go back. I know this isn't easy. So I think that sometimes, and and for a little one, it's the same thing. One little one didn't want to come out from behind the couch. He didn't care what Lego set they bought him. So we, I think that we have to account for holidays for adults on mile markers, but for children in the midst of a divorce process, they may, it may not be, but very often it is. It's a reminder because every year we take stock of where we were the year before. And if we're in a place we really don't want to be in, Jeff, it's a little bit harder, regardless of the age of the kids. Even college kids coming home often have an issue with um, which house am I going to go to? And I think I mentioned before the show, some kids say, well, if I have to split my time between mom's house and dad's house, then I can't be with my friends. I came home to see my friends. So I think parents, working well together, have to be patient with the children and where they're at in terms of the divorce process. 100% agreed, Suzanne. Again, you're digging deep. You're seeing it from the eyes of the children. Thank you very much. Right. So now your fourth point is agree not to fight. How do people do that, Jeff? Well, some of the things we've talked about already, you know, practicing these types of things and being in that type of space, but again, recognizing uh, uh, holidays, the the stresses, the pressures, uh, some of the things you're talking about bubbling back up. I guess one of the phrases that people refer to as a NAP, a non-aggression pact, you know, and maybe you (laughs) can even... It, it, say it to the other parents, say, okay, let's, we're going to have a nap. Whatever else may be going on with us, we're struggling with between us right now, let's shake hands and just say, okay, we're going to get through December here into the new year. We're just going to make sure, you know, we're, we're not going to have any firefights break out uh, when we're, we're working things on behalf of our, uh, our son and our daughter. Uh, I think that's, I love that. Uh, the nap. Um, I also always tell couples that no one can fight with themselves so that if someone's provocative, don't take the bait. That is, in some way, change the set 
go into another room, begin another activity. There's a real stake. I love that you put this in, in children not having to deal with parents fighting. And sometimes it just, remember, in, in fairness to the folks that we're addressing here, they they may be brokenhearted by the fact that they cannot work out this marriage. They may never have right. been yep. people who could walk away from a fight. Right. So <laughs> asking them right. to do it now may not be easy. So we've got to have some, you know, default positions where one goes inside and puts on music. Someone takes a walk around the block. Maybe there's even a code. Someone, they, give, they somehow have a code, a timeout. They make the timeout sign and point to the kids. In some ways, agreeing not to fight might mean really, as you say, planning ahead. You know, we may get crazy. You know how we can get. Um, So let's make sure we have a sign to cool off if we do. Because this is a hard one for parents. They're in such a dysregulated state. Divorce is really so difficult. So we've got to be able to support them (laughs) with this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, sometimes... I want to bring this in now, and I know you work with dads and encouraging them to be part of the family, but sometimes part of the pain, even before we go to the last step, is about a dad who's not there, who doesn't show up for the holidays and hasn't showed up since the divorce, and every every Hallmark story, and although we've adjusted much on the media, how, how does a mom deal with that with her kids? Oh, what can we say about that? Well, um, uh, again, you had relayed uh, in my introduction. Um, I, I grew up uh, an only child to a single mother. Uh, and to this day, I couldn't tell you who my father was. Um, and I don't know exactly what the situation was with my mother and my father. Um, I just know that growing up, uh, in, this was back in the uh, you know, 70s. Um, so it was being a single mother was um, that was new territory to a certain extent um, mm-hmm. on a wider level. Um, uh, but I can tell you, I was brutal on my mother growing up. I, I was really, really tough on her, uh, and um, you know, she was always ever so loving uh, and and patient with me. You know how I don't know. Um, so <laughs> it, it's a, a tough gig, and I. Um, Go ahead. And this is something when I was doing direct service, I would say being a single mother is the toughest gig. Like yes. on one hand, you know, we talk about how fathers uh, they get the, t- the 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 short end of the stick when it when they're involved with the system. Um, I'm not saying it's easy for a single father, but it isn't quite as hard for a single father as it is for a single mother. Yes. Um, if if that's what it is, right? So, um, in terms of what we can do for them, um, you know. There's a, the village raising the children kind of thing, yeah. and people need to just, you know, as, as much as possible, being respectful, but just be there, be supportive, fill in as best you can, uh, be available. Um, uh, and, and if there is a father in, if there isn't a good reason the father isn't involved, uh, one of the things I often say, the best thing you can do for mothers is to support fatherhood. Uh, because again, it's a two-person job. Um, and... Um, you know, if there's anyone who can connect with the father to draw them out or to, to get them to get involved, if it's uh, something of their own choosing to a certain extent, um, uh, you know, whatever you can do to help uh, maybe move him and, and get him 
uh, involved like he should be. Uh, and that's never acceptable. I mean, that's something that we here at the Dad's Resource Center, uh, because there are a lot of fathers who are in pain because uh, they can't do it. And so the, the fathers we're, we're dealing with, our side of the equation, we don't have a lot of time or patience for fathers who aren't stepping up. Uh, and doing mm-hmm. what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are out of time. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Mr. Steiner, the Executive Director of the Dads Resource Center. You're hearing him comment about the work he does with dads and his advocacy for single fathers. We were just talking about single mothers um, around the holiday time. Stay with us. We're coming back to talk about the final survival tip during the holidays and much more. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Go to Health Radio. Featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your health care needs and reputable health care experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. I'm here with Mr. Steiner, who's the Executive Director of the Dad's Resource Center, and we've been talking about um, different steps, different tips, not only for the holiday, but for really year-round, for folks going through the divorce process or who have already been divorced. And one thing that Jeff said that I really resonated with was when I asked him about single moms, uh, he said it, it could take a village, and I, I couldn't agree more. And I, over the many years of practice, I've seen single moms caravan to vacations. I've seen people 
talk about second chance family and use extended family to fill in um, the children's lives with people who love them and are interested in them. So, I mean, there's it's you. The parent sets the pace. If mom's depressed at Christmas, it's a very rough Christmas for her children. If mom is talking about how these other families will be coming up and everybody will be cooking together, then it's very different. Now, we know we're dealing with COVID, Jeff, so um, we have people sort of sick. We have people at quarantine and we have people trying to be very safe. So we're... We're we're gonna, we know we're zooming and trying to make the holidays expand, but um, it's mothers are smart and very very often they figure out a way to expand that family bubble so that their children have a mix of other people. One thing, um, your your final point, Jeff, your final um, survival tip is uh, put the children first. And and just to circle back to the point that you just made. Uh, oh, sure. And you see this uh, cur- currently uh, with the meth and opioid uh, addictions where grandmothers and grandfathers, grandparents, are increasingly in the role of primary caregivers. Mm. Um, but, be- but beyond that, they are always, I think, the first line of defense, for the lack of a better word of saying it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be on your side of the family. I think uh, most times a grandparent, even from the other side, uh, if you need some support there and uh, in, in some help, uh, that's always, I think, the first place to turn or to look or to be open to um, uh, getting a little bit of help. Um, because uh, I always tell people, I don't know who's happier when we had our girls, us, or our parents. Uh, and um, they'll do anything they can for their grandchildren. So um, that's, I think, the primary support uh, uh, at, at any time. That's a great point, and and it's true. I've seen the parents of the dad who's not around, the grandparents step right up. You're, that's such a great point, and that, that's a good resource for single moms. Um, before, when I mentioned um, putting the kids first, you said, well, that's what we're doing throughout the whole show, and I we are actually doing that when we think about the holiday time. Um, one of the things that um, we, we were mentioned during the break is Sometimes we forget to ask the kids or the teens their suggestions on not only on gifts, but how to handle the holidays. Um, that's something that's come up in the work that I've done with families. And I think people, now sometimes the parents are not thrilled with it because it does involve other, bringing other kids over or it involves something that might be too exorbitant, so they have to redefine it. But I think getting the kids and the teens, the teens are a little bit more difficult. But you be, I think even as I say that, I should take it back. If we assume that teens are difficult, they'll be difficult. If we assume that they right. actually want to be involved, I think there's a way. Well, better to give them that option whether they take it or not Yes. Uh, yes. to the point you just kind of led into. So, it, it, and even if they don't take it, then you've given them the opportunity and, you know, they're going to respect that even if, if they don't say, uh, you know, so, uh, and you got to understand, I mean, it, and it comes quick. Uh, and people have always uh, said during the course of, of uh, my being a father, oh, it goes quick, it goes quick. And it hasn't gone quick with the girls from a young age. It's been a long time, and I've cherished every possible moment. But as my daughters are getting into their teenage years, 
now it starts getting quick. Um, and uh, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, it, that trepidation or knowing it's going to come and then seeing them grow as individuals and, and empowered, because that's what you're doing throughout their childhood is building them up so that they can be empowered and, and be a person who is able to, uh, stand up in the world and be their own person. Uh, and when that happens, it's a little, it's, it's painful or bittersweet. Uh, but you got to give them, uh, as they get older, the opportunities to be engaged and a part of things because they're becoming adults themselves too. And mm-hmm. you have to give them that respect. But again, that's the practical reality of the situation is that they're adults and you got to start engaging them uh, in these types of things. Absolutely, really well said. Um, the other thing that I think often is contentious and that I have dealt with in, in my practice is parents get too obsessive, let me say it that way, about I got seven hours on Saturday. That means you get seven hours. Wait a minute. No, no, you can't have the whole weekend because I only got Saturday with her. What this does to children is torture them, and it make it contaminates the visit. If you have five hours or a morning with a teen, and you loved it, and they loved it, and they have another 20 hours with the other parents, so be it. You want them to love you and enjoy you. This is not prison time. We don't really want them to clock in and clock out, and I think... It comes from the parent, well, just what you were saying. Dads with teenage girls, they, they so much want the, the girls to stay in love with them. They want the girls to believe in them. But if you're there really under contention of time, it never, ever works. So the other thing in going back and forth around the holidays, and I think any time of the year, is don't get too crazed with the time because if they're at a game, well, do we really have to shift the parents? Can they both be standing there together till the game finishes? You know, if it's college time and they want to be with their friends, allow the friends to all come to your house or understand that maybe they'll only be with you for an hour instead of three because they were with their friends. I think as you're employing with your teen girls, the more you're willing to be in a, in a kind of negotiating position with them, I think the better. And girls are not easy. I had boys. <laughs> well, in the Steiner household, uh, the cats are female, the dog is female, and I think the goldfish is female, too. Um, so, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, we're glad to hear you. I'm out. I'm out, woman. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Definitely. Um, well, let you me know, ask. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. One of my fathers, uh, and I, we hear a lot of these, again, because this is the niche we're in. They pulled together the agreement, visitation agreement at a court hearing, and they didn't think something out where he had every other week and then he had a week or something like that. And, and like once a year, they would hit this week where the visit was supposed to end at uh, the weekend visits 8 a.m. on Monday. And then he got that week starting at 9 a.m. And the mother literally would show up at the door to take the kids out to get them donuts and coffee for that eight to nine hour, you know. And 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 like you said, to your point, if you're doing, if that's your mindset, and you know, you're just not doing it right, right? You're just not going back to thinking about the kids first, Uh, and that 
you know, that that's problematic, no doubt about right. it. Absolutely. So we've, I mean, I'm so grateful that you came on the show today, Jeff. You had so much to offer our parents for all year round, as well as the holidays. What take home message would you share with our listeners today? Uh, Well, again, simply uh, mom and dad give different but equally important things to their children. Children need both of them actively engaged in their upbringing. Um, and it's, it, it's, parents are responsible to ensure that that occurs uh, on behalf of both of them. Um, uh, you know, children who grow up without their father in their, their lives, um, they just, uh, there's a lot that they're missing out. And the data shows um, they struggle a lot more in life. Um, so uh, we want to make sure. Uh, that we're doing both sides of the equation, that everyone's uh, making sure that both of the parents are actively, have the opportunity and do step up to be a big part of their children's upbringing. Fabulous. Um, now, what if folks wanted to contact the da- or know more about the Dad's Resource Center? How would they do that, Jeff? Our website is dadsrc.org, dadsrc.org. You can go to the website. Our contact information is there. Uh, There's a lot of really great information, uh, and it's almost – it can cut either way. Like a a mother could look and see – get a better understanding, again, of the three stages of separation, um, how to negotiate through some of the court aspects of this, um, custody and child child support uh, elements of this. Uh, So uh, we have a very informational – uh, a website that, that can be of a lot of use for a parent um, or even a, a service provider who's trying to better understand what separated families are going through. Mm, perfect. Again, thank you so much for coming on and for your years of work with families and particularly with dads with respect to the divorce process. Thank you so much, Jeff. I I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast. By 6 p.m. tonight, this will be a podcast on all of the platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Please remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, happy holidays. Please be safe. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.